Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I'm Bobby Sylvester with Mike Tagliere as always. Tags, it is finally the week that real football starts, baby. <laughs> I know, my computer knows it as well. It's about to go like, it's about to burn into flames. I, uh, I, I was just talking to Bobby before the show and, uh, I am almost 18,000 words into the primer this week already. So it's like, Woo, my fingers hurt. My mind is like going numb and, but I, I'm just, I'm excited, man. You need to hurry up, dude. I'm ready to read that thing. Get going. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully you can read the whole thing. It takes about as long as a half of a novel, but we'll get there. <laughs> it's totally worth it. If you guys haven't read his primer, it is ridiculous. It is the best article on the web for fantasy football every single week. Tag just puts his whole heart and soul into it. It's incredible. I appreciate that, man. I really do. That's that's like my gift to everyone. It's like, I'm sorry. By the way, if you guys follow me on Twitter and if you guys have messaged me, I'm sorry. Because like when I do this, I have to like walk away from everything because otherwise I just can't get it done. There's only so much that we can respond to. I wish we could respond to everything. I wish there were 36 hours in a day. But, you know, we get to as many of them as possible. And, you know, if you keep them short and simple, that's your best bet in getting responded to, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's just hopefully that's why I do the primer, though, is so I can answer everybody's question because I touch on every single player. So hopefully that'll help you guys out. So tags and I are on Twitter at Mike Tagliere NFL and at Bobby Fantasy Pro. And today we've obviously got a ton of news to talk about right at the beginning. Then we're going to jump right into the waiver wire for the rest of the show. And for those of you who haven't done your drafts, you can think of this as another late round episode. But if this is your first time listening, we did well over like 50 preseason episodes. And the more recent stuff is still 99% relevant. Obviously, Jarek McKinnon, that's not relevant anymore. So you can go back and listen uh, to those for extra draft prep if you want to. And the way we're doing today, show and you can let us know what you think about this new format is we're going to be discussing players who are owned in 35 to 50 percent of leagues then players owned in less than 35% of leagues, then players owned in less than 20% of leagues. That way we cover all kinds of leagues. You know, if you're in a super competitive deep league, at the end is probably going to be more your bread and butter. But, um, you know, it's just depending on what type of league you have, we'll talk to everybody listening. So, Tags, we do have a winner to announce before we get into the news. Brian from Florida has already been notified as the winner for the signed David Johnson jersey. But no worries if you missed out because we've got another giveaway that starts now. And if you've already entered, you're in the running for this next one too and all future ones this year we're giving away a signed Todd Gurley throwback Rams jersey it's a beautiful thing I'm I was an old Rams fan before they you know screwed St. Louis and moved out to Los (laughs) Angeles so I like this one a lot and if you haven't already entered for your chance to win you can do so by going to fantasypros.com slash contest and thanks to pristine auction for giving us a chance to do these giveaways pristine has hundreds of auctions that end daily so you'll be able to find something no matter who your team is and everything is guaranteed authentic from only the most trusted sources you aren't going to believe just how reasonable the prices are, too. I saw a signed Juju Smith-Schuster helmet for just 74 bucks yesterday. A signed William the Fridge Perry Bears jersey for just 43 bucks. Go check out what they have for you, and when you make a purchase, please be sure to let them know Fantasy Pro sent you. That way we can keep doing all these giveaways for y'all. Again, that's pristineauction.com. P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. All right, Tags. Let's start with this uh, Khalil Mack trade, man, which is just so funny the way it went down because of me <laughs> pranking you on that podcast. Holy cow. That was karma, man. Karma. If you guys missed that show, by the way, because it came, it went out on Saturday, Some people were tweeting at me saying, Mike, I feel like this is Inception. I'm listening to Bobby tell me that Khalil Mack goes to the Packers and Mike freaks out. And then legitimately on Twitter at the same time as they're typing that, that Khalil Mack had actually been traded to the Bears. So, uh... 
I did it as breaking news on the show because, you know, Tags, I knew he was going to talk about Anthony Miller. And as soon as he got done being excited about that, he's a big Bears fan. I just want to get back at him and say that Khalil Mack uh, went to the Packers. So I broke it on the <laughs> podcast just as a joke. Then he went to the Bears. It's so funny, man. I, I texted Tags in the morning as soon as I saw it to congratulate him. Halfway thinking like he's going to think this is a joke. too. <laughs> Unfortunately, I knew, I knew it wasn't because I had saw Ian Rapport tweet earlier in the day um, saying that it seemed like the Bears were the surprise team that was going to. So I just like to apologize to everyone in advance because I've heard for whatever reason, I've heard some people say that I'm being a homer this year and that's not even close to the case. I had my home last year. He was the opposite. He bashed the Bears every chance he got. And it was a, it was the opposite for the Chiefs for us. Right. We love the Chiefs last year. This year, we don't like Pat Mahomes. Or Kareem Hunt. Correct. And that's the, that's the weird thing is like, you have to adapt guys. It's not last year. Uh, I went to my home league draft this weekend and like a lot of people were laughing about people calling me homers because they're like, if they knew you, they would know that you are the last thing. You're the first person that would bash the bears if they did something wrong. So they had a great off season, just like the Rams last year. Yeah, they did. And Khalil Mack, a lot of people have been asking me about the Bears defense, and we should probably uh, say this. So, I, I mean, I, I don't want to start the Bears defense in week one against Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if Roquan's going to be an every down player. I don't know if Khalil Mack's going to be out there for every down. Obviously, he's only going to have, you know, a week with the team. So I do think that they're both going to play. I don't know how long they'll be out there. I don't know if there'll be some miscommunication between the Bears. So I don't want to start in week one, which means... In essence, they're a streaming defense. I mean, they're going to be streamed in a lot more situations for sure. Uh, but I don't think you, I don't feel the need to draft them. I had somebody ask me, like, man, with this Mac news, just how much fab do I spend on the Bears defense? I was like, maybe one dollar, but I probably wouldn't even spend that. Cause the thing is, there's only five defenses you want to own week to week, in my opinion. I've got the Bears as the DST seven at this point. So I'm fine streaming them. They're a great streamer when they've got a, a decent matchup and a great matchup. They're awesome, but. I don't want to own them week to week. Yeah, I'd rather have the Saints or the Ravens in week one, like easy, and those then those defenses are available in a lot of leagues, so definitely go after them. All right, let's talk about Antonio Gates, who, again, I don't want to own. I think he's a decent streamer every once in a while, maybe 30 40% of weeks, but he's definitely not somebody that you start, just plug in as your tight end, right? I mean, I think he becomes a streaming option. You know, in week one, they're playing the Chiefs, and the Chiefs actually were really good against tight ends last year, and that was even without Eric Berry. Now, their secondary has changed a whole lot. Their team has changed a whole lot, so it's difficult to predict this Chiefs defense, but I don't know, man. Antonio Gates was looking like he was closer and closer to done, and that's why the Chargers walked away from him. So, him coming back, I, I think it's more stability for the offense than anything, and he's going to have some some weeks for sure, but it's not the Antonio Gates where you're going to go out there and expect 80 yards and a touchdown. That's not, not the guy you're getting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he finished in the top 15 at the position, but then again, there's only 10 guys that I really want to start week to week, and it ends with, you know, Jordan Reed, Kyle Rudolph, Delaney Walker, Trey Burton, so... I, actually, I would put Jack Doyle in that in that range now, too. I would start him every week, and I'm pretty pumped about him. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's the thing. Gates, just look at him as like a streamer. Like if you're looking at the guys like George Kittle, I, I guess you could put him in that conversation. But I would rather have Kittle because I know the upside is potentially higher. Exactly. And OJ Howard, same exact thing. So, you know, I don't know why we didn't talk about this first because this is even bigger news. But Jerick McKinnon out for the season, man. Uh, it's a big bummer. But who is it? Is it Matt Breida? Is it Alfred Morris? Is it a mix of them? Are they both ownable or neither of them ownable? 
I find it funny that people are asking me this question now after they all laughed at me when I said that Alfred Morris, when he was signed, that he was going to be a good option on first and second down. Uh, Matt Breida is not a bad player. He's not a bad football player, but I, I believe he's a number two. And I think that's the way that the 49ers have approached it. You don't think he's starting over Morris? I don't, actually. I actually think Alfred Morris... Oh, I disagree with you here. I think Breida is going... It depends on the game, right? So Breida is going to be involved regardless. I think it's going to be like a 55-45 split. So I'm not going to pick one or the other because Breida actually might have the more valuable role as somewhat of a pass catcher. But again, if you go back and look at last year, so many people point to Carlos Hyde has so many targets. Matt Breida had so many targets. Once Jimmy Garoppolo took over as a starting quarterback, he did not check down nearly as much. They also have Pierre Garçon coming back to the offense. They have uh, Dante Pettis that they added. George Kittle, does he take a step forward in year two? So there's a lot of question marks about this backfield. And with the area that those two started sliding up this weekend, I wasn't going to wind up with either of them. Uh, but week one, it's not going to matter, though, guys. They're playing Minnesota. It's a terrible matchup in Minnesota. By the way, Minnesota last year allowed 2.9 yards per carry at home. So you don't want to start either of them in week one. Just sit back and watch and just just be happy that someone else in your league took them. You know, I just saw that Matt Breida is 190 pounds because, like, I went back and I watched the film on Breida, and he looked a lot bigger. He runs a lot bigger than 190 pounds. If he's 190 pounds, there's no way he's going to be a three-down workhorse like I think McKinnon could have been. Yeah, that's the thing is Morris is the better one, two down back, but it's, it, he's more of a predictable, like wait, when you put him on the field, he's more predictable. But if Jimmy Garoppolo is not targeting the running back position a whole lot, it might not be the worst thing. And again, we've seen Alfred Morris succeed under Kyle Shanahan. Was it back a few years ago? Yeah. But I mean, Alfred Morris last year, 4.8 yards per carry is nothing to laugh about. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, he's run for 1600 yards in this offense before he's got a better quarterback than he had back then. I mean, the defense is I think pretty bad. A lot of 49ers fans would fight me over this. I don't think they're ready to compete quite yet because the defense just isn't there. Um, and so I think they will end up passing more. With that said, I think Morris is definitely worth owning. Uh, I would spend a good, you know, 15 fab on him. I would spend probably 20 on Breda because I think he's going to get more touches. I think he's the better back. I mean, think about it. This guy is one of the best athletes in the NFL in terms of running backs. So if he really does get substantial carries... I would rather have him than someone like Tevin Coleman. So I'm looking at it now. I just pulled it up just so we could see. So Alfred Morris, week one, even if you grab one of these guys off the waiver wire, you don't want to play them against the Vikings. Like, that's worst case scenario. Then they're at home in week two against the Lions. That's not a bad matchup. But we'll know by week two who the starter is. You might as well grab them both. And if one of them's not getting any touches, then you know what? You drop the other guy. For sure. Yeah, and that's basically where I'm at with this. Is like I'm not going to go over the top. Honestly, I don't even think I'd spend 15% on Morris or Breida on the waiver wire. Um, I'm probably more around the 10% thing and I'm not, I'm not let down if I don't get them. Cause I don't feel like either one of them is going to be a league winner. I prefer to save my fab for like guys like Kenyon Drake last year. I remember on the podcast, we were talking about you picking him up and I was willing to use 30% of it because I felt like he was, he could be a game changer or Alvin Kamara. He was on the waiver wire for a while. He was at the beginning of the season when they, I remember that whole London game. It was like we, everybody, we told the podcast. I can't remember. I wish we can go back and listen to some of these episodes. We probably can if we wanted to, but time is of the essence. Uh, but I remember talking about Kamara and saying, definitely, you know, Adrian Peterson does not look right in this offense. Alvin Kamara is starting to get more touches. He's producing every single week. So it's like, those are the guys you look for, the guys that could win you leagues. I don't, I don't think that Alfred Morris or Matt Breida is going to win you a fantasy title this year. I know we talked about Kamara. You know why? Cause we got all these reviews at the end of the year saying, Hey, when you guys told me to pick up Kamara, it won me my league. Thanks, guys. And, uh, <laughs> that's, that's always uh, good to hear. You know, I wish I would have followed my own advice because I didn't have any shares of Kamara last year. I don't think. I mean, I had a ton of Kareem Hunt, which helped a ton. And 
I drafted Todd Gurley like everywhere, so that definitely helped. But um, all right, man. Next, uh, none of these other ones are like super fantasy relevant, but they do need to be mentioned. Nathan Peterman is starting for the Bills. Is he actually an interception machine, or is he someone you wanted to especially pick on like you would Josh Allen? I think I would prefer Josh Allen starting. I mean, the only reason it matters is because we're talking about Kelvin Benjamin, Charles Clay. Like, who would you rather have starting? And basically for me, it's Josh Allen because there's an air. I'd rather have Peterman. There's a level of unknown with Josh Allen, right? I feel like the mobility should help him behind the offensive line, whereas Peterman, he's going to get crushed. I think there's more unknown with Peterman, man. I think, well, the thing is, I think the reason Peterman's starting is because of their matchup week one. They're going into Baltimore against the Ravens, uh, against one of the better pass defenses in the NFL. I, you do not want to start Josh Allen's first NFL game there. So I think Peterman starts. I think he sucks. And I think that they reconsider Josh Allen for week two. <laughs> That's why the Ravens, we're going to talk about this later on, right? That's why the Ravens are the most expensive option in DFS this week is because they get the Bills. It's like an automatic four turnovers. <laughs> Probably. Bills fans are going to hate us right now, but the Bills are horrible this year. Everybody except Bills fans know it. Yeah. I, I mean, the fact that the Bills made the playoffs last year is something. So um, But yeah, I think that changes this year. All right, man. So uh, Dan Bailey... It was cut. Tavis Bryant was cut. Why did the Cowboys cut Dan Bailey? I don't know. I don't even... The Cowboys, uh, incompetent. Is it just like kicker doesn't matter whatsoever? Like you can pick up any kicker and they're pretty much exactly the same? Ask the Bucks that question. The answer is no, you can't. Yeah. I don't know why Dan Bailey was cut. I mean, I'm sure there's something to it. I mean, the difference in a million dollars or whatever they're going to save because of the contracts that you have to do for veterans, Mm -hmm. I think that's the reason why, but... I think the difference between Dan Bailey and a replacement level kicker is more than a million. Yeah, I don't. I, it makes no sense to me. Like none, nothing whatsoever. It's like a shock. Nobody knows why. Uh, isn't he like the second most accurate kicker in NFL history? Yeah, I just looked it up, and uh, Dan Bailey is number two all time behind Justin Tucker. I don't. It makes no sense, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend someone's going to pick him up. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would imagine. So I, I mean, the Raiders have a lot of money now. The Raiders. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, what do you what do you think about that trade? I mean, I know you're a Bears fan, you're excited to get him, but I think the Raiders did really well on that trade. I think it's a classic win-win, and it's what John Gruden should have done. Yeah, he's going to take a ton of heat, but you know what? He's got this team for 10 years. They're not going to compete now. Why not save $23 million a year, get two first-round picks, and then compete when you're ready to compete instead of just wasting Cleo Mack. I think it was a I think it was a bad trade by the Raiders. Um, the reason I say that is just because so when you have a player like Khalil Mack, essentially when you're trading away first two first round picks, you hope with one of those first two round picks that you get a player that makes the impact. But they didn't just get two first round picks, man. They saved twenty three million a year. You can sign AJ Boye and you can sign Norwell. That's what the Jags did the past two years. It cost them $21 million. They saved $23 million a year. They're getting two Pro Bowlers and two first-round picks for Mac. But they're not. They're not getting two Pro Bowlers because they can't draft. Did you see who they drafted this year? Did you see? No, the Pro Bowlers aren't the first. I'm, I'm, they're getting two Pro Bowlers and two first-round picks. You can sign two Pro Bowlers with $23 million. Who wants to go sign with the Raiders right now? Like, seriously, you have to have appeal to free agents. You have to say, there's a reason you want to come to our team. Who wanted to sign with the Jags last year after they were 3-13? and 13? If you have money, you sign people. Oh, God, no. The Raiders are a bad franchise. They're not going to get better anytime <laughs> soon. They locked up $100 million in, in Gruden. I'm sorry. I'm not buying the whole contract thing. Like, that that should be weighted into a deal. But you can't say the reason it makes it a good deal is because they the, the, the rookie contracts they're going to be able to have. The rookie contracts don't matter. Ideally, Bobby, with those first-round picks, you draft players who turn into people that want to be paid. 
But then you don't want to pay them, so let's just trade them away. You need talent in the NFL, and when you have a proven talent like Khalil Mack, who won Defensive Player of the Year, I'm sorry. There's no justification for that, especially when their defense struggles as much as it does. And for those who say, Khalil Mack, what did the Raiders' defense do with him there? Watch to see what they do without him. You know what? I disagree with you, dude. I mean, I remember when people were so mad that the Rams traded RG3, and then they got all these picks. They had all this money that they could have signed. He was an unproven player. There was no guarantee. He was an unproven player, but people were going nuts, man. This is big-time draft capital, big-time money that they can spend. I think he nailed it. No, if you're trading away a pick like that, I have no issue trading away for draft picks because there's no sure thing in the NFL draft. There is none. And by the way, the Bears picks, it wasn't just two first-round picks. It was actually less because the Bears moved up from the third to the second round and from the sixth to the fifth round. So it was actually less than two first-round picks. And on top of that, the Bears team is legitimately telling their players, we are going for it. Like, we are legitimately think we're contenders and we're going for it, which tells basically anybody that you could talk to, you could say, the Bears will not have a top 15 pick the next two years so therefore you're trading for back half of the first round first round pick so it's not even like you're getting Roquan Smith with that pick you're you're getting back half in a pick by the way that the Raiders used on Colton Miller this year you're right dude I'll take the 23 million we got to stop talking about this though and get on with the show um Jonathan Williams was cut Mike Gillisley was signed by the the Saints I had some shares of Jonathan Williams because I thought he was going to play the first four weeks and maybe into the season. Now, everyone's saying Mike Gillisley is going to get this role automatically. I don't know if that's true. I think it's Boston Scott, man. I don't think it's Boston Scott. The reason, I mean, he's a sixth round pick, guys. I mean, he's 5'7", 203. He's not built to like, I, I don't think that he's the type. How big is Mark Ingram? Mark Ingram, 5'10", I think. He's a, he's a little pit bull as well. But I'm saying, Boston Scott, the signings that they've done with, like, like Jonathan Williams being atop the depth chart, getting those snaps, and then bringing in Shane Vereen, and now bringing in Mike Gillisley, it just tells me that they don't feel like they have the player on the roster needed to fill that role is all. I'm not saying that Boston Scott won't have a role, and I'm not saying that Mike Gillisley is going to be a great start. This is more like if you're in, like, a dilemma, and, like, you have no running back talent on the waiver wire, you just lost Jarek McKinnon, uh, you have Mark Ingram suspended, all these question marks, that's when you pick up someone like Mike Gillisley because I would prefer him over Boston Scott just because Gillisley's played in the NFL. He's shown the ability to be competent. Yeah, he could be good. He could be. And that's the thing is just like Boston Scott, we don't know what we're getting there. You're right. Yeah. I don't know. I, the main takeaway I have from this is people are saying, oh, well, this means they cut Jonathan Williams. That means Alvin Kamara is definitely going to be a workhorse. No. No, it's not going to happen. They've already said 80 times that's not going to happen. Just because they cut some guy doesn't mean it's going to happen. I think they're going to need to lean on Kamara a little bit more than they wanted to. So like 13 t- carries in a game? Basically. Did you <laughs> did you know, Bobby, the last year his, his season high was 12 carries. Like So, I mean, I do expect him to get like 12 to 14 carries in week one, which should be more than enough to produce against Tampa, uh, including his work in the passing game. But you're right. There's going to be more of a role here. They're not, they don't want to give Kamara... 18 to 20 carries a game. And if they do, he's not going to make it to the end of the season. Yeah, he's not built that way. I mean, that's not to say he's not good. Like Jamal Charles, that's what he did pretty much his whole career. Maybe a little bit more than that. Less in the passing game, but they're very similar types of players. So yeah, Kamara's, he's a quality first round pick, but I just think he's overrated because he's not going to get 300 touches. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's the thing is like, I, I don't think he's going to get 300 touches either, but uh, I still think that he's a solid football player and he plays for the best offense. I think all of this, what it comes down to is that means Drew Brees actually is more valuable even than he was a couple weeks ago. Yep. 
All right, so we're going to get into the waiver wires in just a second. First, I want to let you know, though, we've got three more episodes coming at you this week. First, we have a specialized show with the guys from TeamRankings.com discussing survivor pools, pick'em contests, week one money lines, and team win over-unders on the season. Then we've got our weekly start-sit show, and finally our DFS show where we're going to help prepare for this week's big slate on DFS contest. So subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already, and while you're there, leave us a rating and review if you don't mind. It really helps out the show, and we want to know what your feedback is so we can make the show better and better and better uh tags let's get into it man 35 to 50 percent owned who are some of your favorite targets out there i think we need to start actually first um with breaking news on the show that um so steelers gm kevin colbert just came out and he put out a statement saying we are disappointed that Le'Veon bell has not signed his franchise tender and rejoined his teammates like he said that he was going to do it in july so this is a problem? Well, what do you expect? You don't pay the guy, and then you expect him to just, oh, well, I'll come play, even though I'm not going to get paid. Well, he said he was going to come. He said he was going to come in this week. This is when he said he was going to, so I'm surprised that he's not there myself. That was a, that was a false report, man. Yeah, but... Fake news. He always said that he was going to play, though. I don't know. This there, There's a lot going on here, but what I'm saying, like, before anything, if you're listening to the show right now, and if James Conner is available on your waiver wire, go get him, like, right now. Stop, pause, pause the podcast, grab him, and then come back. Yeah, and if, if he's still available, that means you weren't listening last week because we were practically begging you to pick up James Conner. At least I was. <laughs> he's barely owned, too. Like, he's not owned in very many leagues. I drafted Le'Veon Bell at number two in a league last night, and uh, I did snag James Conner in the 14th round, so I'm I'm prepared for it, but uh, I didn't want to be. By the way, even if you don't have Le'Veon Bell, go get James Conner anyway. I mean, even if this is one week, you get an RB1 for that one week. I really believe James Conner is a pure workhorse. He's got the endurance to be a three-down back. He looked awesome in the preseason. This offense is perfect for a running back. He's going to be a stud. And you know what? After they see James Conner on the field getting 20 touches, they just might not pay Le'Veon Bell. Who knows when he's coming back? Oh, no. They want to, they, they have the offer on the table for Le'Veon Bell. Like they're, he's going, I, I still believe that he's going to play. I just think this has turned into so much more drama than it needs to be. But again, you're right though, Bobby. Even if you don't have Le'Veon Bell, go out and grab James Conner just because, as you mentioned, it's not a great matchup in week one though, by the way, guys. Like don't get it twisted here because the Browns, they only allowed 3.3 yards per carry to running backs last year. Best in the NFL. Yeah, like people like don't realize that, and that's why I talk about the team and the fact that they have so much more talent than people realize, that the Browns are a very talented team. It's just their coaching is questionable. Connor's out there in 75% of leagues right now, by the way. Yeah, he's, yeah, exactly. He's 25% on. That's just crazy. Oh, Jarek McKinnon's available in a 52% of leagues. He's pretty good, isn't he? <laughs> Man, that just sucks so bad. I mean, I don't have many shares of McKinnon, but it's just a bummer. He was the backup for so long. He was finally going to get his chance and then poof, doesn't happen. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely, um, it sucks for him. Absolutely. Uh, Matt Breida is obviously, we've already mentioned him. He's available in over 50% of leagues. Devontae Parker, he is somebody that I would recommend picking up for sure. 55% of leagues. I know a lot of people are down on him. Tex, why don't you give your pitch on Parker? I mean, Parker, the thing is, is like when you actually watch his game film, Parker is not a bad football player. And I know that people will point this out and say he's been a disappointment. He's absolutely been a disappointment from a first round pick standpoint. Yes, the expectations were sky high for him. His first year in the league, he was dealing with a foot injury, which as we've talked about in the show, every friggin' like every time we talk about it, I'm like, if a guy has an, a foot injury or an ankle injury as a pass catcher, the calendar year, you don't want him. He had to have surgery right before the rookie season started. So you saw him get off to a really slow start in the season. He picked up a little bit late. The next year, he was actually pretty good with the targets he got from Ryan Tannehill. Then, you know, year three happened and it was just like injuries happened again. Then uh, J uh, Ryan Tannehill got hurt. Jarvis Landry's there getting 160 targets. 
there's been just there there's always been something and that's the thing is people will say Mike there's always been an excuse for him there has I'm not going to sit here and say that there hasn't been but here's the thing you're not using a top 100 pick on him you're you're picking him off the waiver wire I mean Kenny Stills is not going to be an alpha dog receiver he's never going to see 130 targets i stand by that agree so they drafted parker to be the guy they're treating him like he's the guy in practice that's the thing well that's the thing people are, are sitting here like beat reporters have actually went to to bat for Devonte parker recently and they're like look it don't stop saying that Devonte parker's not good at football he is he was just getting beat uh by Xavier howard in practice and that's what they were talking about it's just they were saying that Xavier howard was more the story than Devonte parker so he's a stud yeah parker don't play in week one like even if he does play like let him sit on your bench but grab but grab him he's not playing man his hand is mauled i don't know it's 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 frustrating it's a frustrating situation because i wanted to see him and stop making these excuses because i don't want to make excuses for players but i'm telling you from a football standpoint I believe the kid can play wide receiver in the NFL. You know, I actually think that his ownership is going to plummet even more. I think it'll be around 30, 35% this time next week because people are going to think, well, I need to drop somebody to pick up Geronimo Allison who just went nuts, or I need to pick up, you know, somebody to pick up Matt Breeden. So they're going to be like, well, Devontae Barker's hurt. I kind of draft him towards the end of my draft. That's who I'll drop. So I think you can get him next week. With that said, I think among people in this range, Besides Matt Breida, obviously, I think Parker's the best pickup. Is there someone else that stands out to you here, Tags? <sighs> I mean, I mean, I I try to stay away from the fifty percent just because, like those guys, there's a lot of those guys that just seem like they're they're owned in so many leagues. But yeah, like Keelan Cole, everybody rushed to pick him up. But if he's there, like, would you rather have him or Devonte Parker? I'd still rather have Parker, and I love Keelan Cole. Yeah, yeah, that's close for me. That's that one's really close because I did lower Parker down with all the time that he's missed and knowing that he might not play. Like I said, the start of the season is like really valuable to your fantasy team. But yeah, if Keelan Cole's still out there, he's definitely worth grabbing. I guess Tyler Lockett is worth a like a flyer, but I would rather have Devonte Parker than Tyler Lockett. I'll say that. But but once you get down to the other like the ranges below that, that's that's where things change a little bit, and you're taking players with upside that that you're that you're hoping can turn into a potential league winner. Let, let me ask you about two other players here. Actually, three of them. Okay, they're all wide receivers: Calvin Ridley, Alan Hearns, Josh Doxson. How much are these guys going to be targeted? Like, is Hearns really the number one in Dallas, and is Doxson the number one in Washington? Yeah, uh, so I don't believe Doxson's the number one. I think Jordan Reed and uh, Jamison Crowder are actually going to top him in targets, so he might be the third option. Chris Thompson's also there too, so uh, Josh Doxson's going to be like a touchdown or bust option most weeks, so I, I don't have much of Doxson on my teams. Not to say he can't develop into a guy. I like his talent, I just don't like the situation for him with Alex Smith, because Doxson doesn't get separation. He's one of the worst in the league at it, and Alex Smith loves separation. Yeah, Doxon did have a tough schedule down the stretch, so I don't I don't know if we could totally say that he can't separate, but he's never been known he's known as like the go up and get it type of receiver, and Alex Smith has never targeted guys like that. So that's my concern with Doxon, so I'm with you there. Calvin Ridley's an interesting one because I think People could see a player on Thursday Night Football that they didn't realize was available in their league. Um, now, I'm saying this because Julio Jones is going to be matched up with uh, Ronald Darby the majority of the time. Uh, granted, he's going to move around the formation. They move around Julio a lot. But Calvin Ridley is going to see Jalen Mills quite often. So Jalen Mills has had like a, a up-and-down career where he... He was like one of the worst cornerbacks in the NFL in 2016, and he stepped up in 2017. There's lapses at times, but... He's a slow corner. Like he ran a four six one forty, and uh, Calvin Ridley can burn you deep, like over and over. But he can also run underneath routes. And I think that if you watch the preseason with Calvin Ridley, you could see that he's a he's a very refined route runner. So he he came into the NFL, he could run every route, and um, I think it's like he will benefit from Julio Jones being on the field with him. 
So if if people see Calvin Ridley burn Jalen Mills in week one, you know, on Thursday night when this game takes place, all of a sudden Calvin Ridley is like a hot pickup and you could do it beforehand. And by the way, if you grab him, it's just it's your final one. Like, just put him on your bench. If something happens, great. If it doesn't, you could always drop him if you want to. But I'm saying Calvin Ridley could be a player on top of that. If something happened to Julio, Ridley's going to be an every week fantasy play. You know, I was going to mention because we're not our DFS show is going to come out after Thursday night. Um, so if you're playing Thursday DFS, Calvin Ridley needs to be in your lineup. I think he's going to have a big game. Yeah, it's a one it's a one game slate, so it's really tough. But I think Ridley's a fantastic play if you're trying to win a tournament um, because people are going to gravitate towards Julio for sure. And I'm not saying Julio is a bad play, but Ridley's a nice one. Yep. Yep. What is Ridley's upside for the season? Like, could he be a top 20 wide receiver even with Jones there? No, not with Julio healthy, um, because I think Mohamed Sanu still plays a role. Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman are still good pass catchers. So, I mean, Ridley, as of now, I, I would say his ceiling with Jones is probably somewhere around 750 to 800 yards and, you know, four or five touchdowns. That's where I think his ceiling is with Jones. I disagree because I think he's special, man. I think he could carve out a role for himself the, the way that Juju did last year. I love Calvin Ridley. I really do. And by the way, Juju... I was actually look working on this Steelers game before, and I think people forget Juju, like, he padded his stats over the last couple of weeks when Antonio Brown was hurt and out of the lineup. Like, the last three weeks were massive for Juju Smith-Schuster. So, like, his totals wouldn't have looked as good if Antonio Brown was healthy all year. You're right. All right, guys, before we get on to the next range, I want to tell you all a little bit about NFL Game Pass. I used NFL Game Pass a ton during the preseason, watching nearly every down of football with starters on the field. Because on NFL Game Pass, you can see all the action from the view the coaches see. You can slow things down and see whether Joe Mixon really is every bit as good as Tags has been saying. Or if there's a player you don't really know much about, like Matt Breida. I said I watched a lot of film on him. You can search his name and see every time he touched the ball. NFL Game Pass is phenomenal. You better believe I'm going to be using it even more during the season. You can watch condensed games that are around 40. Minutes, so I can watch all the games from over the weekend over the course of just several hours on Monday. That's how I'm going to be spending my Mondays uh, to start the day before we do our podcast when all the injury news breaks and we tell you about the waiver wire and everything like that. You can also replay every game from every angle. There's the broadcast version, commercial free. Then there's coaches film, which shows the all 22 angle that pros and coaches use. You can check out NFL Game Pass yourself, too, and see just how much it's going to improve your fantasy game, and frankly, just overall enjoyment, because it's a lot of fun to use. We've got a cool offer for you if you do, so you can try it without making any kind of payment yet. If you want a seven-day free trial to NFL Game Pass, go to NFL.com slash pros. Game on. All right, man, let's get into this next range, and uh, who's standing out for you here? So the next range is when we get down to like the guys like Chris Godwin and Anthony Miller, you know, talking about sticking with wide receivers anyways, because Chris Godwin, we don't know for sure, but we do know that Chris Godwin is pushing Deshaun Jackson for the number two wide receiver role. Pushing? He's pushing Mike Evans. Yeah, well, I mean, talent-wise, I think he is. I, I think Mike Evans has always benefited from being like a, a giant athletic presence. And the thing is, is Chris Godwin's a really good wide receiver. He does, he's not the crazy, you know, 6'5", 240 pounds that Mike Evans is, but Chris Godwin's a really good football player. I don't think he's going to push him for the number one target, but I think he... Well, sure, but I mean, he's going to take a ton of targets. He's not getting 170 targets like he did in 2016. Right, yeah. Well, that's not going to happen for sure. <laughs> uh, but, but Chris Godwin's someone that I would like. Now, there's a, it's a crowded room there. Like they do have Deshaun Jackson, who's going to play. Uh, they obviously have the two tight ends there, so it's it's a little worrisome. I would, me personally, I'd rather grab Anthony Miller. I don't know why he's just twenty three percent owned. I really don't because he's a player. You'd rather have Miller than Godwin? I would, I, because I think Ooh. Miller is absolutely an every down player for the Bears, every week player. And the best part is, is that 
teams like legitimately cannot just sit here and say, well, Anthony Miller, we have to focus on him. Alan Robinson's still the alpha dog there, but Anthony Miller, the connection that he should have with Mitch Trubisky over the middle of the field should be really, it's kind of shown already, right? And Trubisky's always gravitated towards the middle of the field. Now, Anthony Miller, most people don't realize he scored 32 touchdowns the last two seasons at Memphis, so he's not just like a slot guy who can't score touchdowns. He can play on the perimeter as well. He's Doug Baldwin. Like you've said before, he's Doug Baldwin. Exactly. He he has that type of upside, right? Now, I'm not saying that Trubisky is going to be Russell Wilson because he's not, but to know that they played the Packers in week one, it's another game that's on primetime television where people see Anthony Miller and he goes off in week one, you're not going to be able to get him for cheap afterwards. So if he's just 23% owned and he's and he was he was undrafted in your league, you don't have to go crazy on these guys because it means nobody was willing to spend a pick to get them. But if you want to go out there and spend 5% of your fab to get Anthony Miller, do it. I like Anthony Miller. I like him a lot for week one. I can't justify taking him over Chris Godwin though because I love Chris Godwin, man. He's in my top 42. I think he's my number 41 or 42 two wide receiver right now right behind Keelan Cole Geronimo Allison Devontae Parker I want him on my team I, I want Anthony Miller on my team too but I would rather take Chris Godwin Tags let me ask you a question what are uh, 33% of people doing owning Blake Bortles Austin Safarian Jenkins <laughs> Des Bryant drop them guys come on yeah, yeah, drop them for Chris Godwin and Geronimo Allison and Anthony Miller I agree Des Bryant at 32% is still dumbfounding to me I mean, Blake Bortles at 34%. Do you really need a third quarterback? Because there's no way he's your second quarterback. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that drives me crazy. What about Michael Gallup, man? I I know we've talked about this before, for, but for the new people to our show, I don't think he's really going to be all that relevant the first three or four weeks. I think he's 33% on right now. I think in four weeks he's 10% owned. And then he, he's like the biggest waiver wire pickup one week after a big uh, breakout. So fun story. I was in a draft last night and I got Alan Hearns, I think in like the 12th round. Uh, I, that was my first share of Alan Hearns, but he fell so far and it's a league where we have like eight bench spots. So it's like a really deep league. So it's, he's not a starter for me. Um, and I actually grabbed Gallup in the 16th round because I was like, you know what? I'm going to end up with the starter for the Cowboys one way or the other. Like, like the, basically their number one receiver. Terrence Williams is not going to do it. Cole Beasley is what he is. Uh, they don't have a tight end that's like dominant there. I know they're talking about Ezekiel Elliott getting more involved in the passing game, but seriously, I, I, I was okay with it grabbing those two on my bench. So if you can pull off that type of scenario where you get Dak Prescott's number one receiver one way or the other, I'm okay with it. Like Dak's going to get his. Yeah, most of the time you can't get Hearns as late as I did, which is, like I said, why it's my first share of him. And Gallup, in deep benches, I'm okay adding him because he's probably going to take a couple weeks, but he is going to find his way into that starting lineup. Yeah. What, what do you think about Cam Meredith, man? He's not play, He's not going to actually start for the Saints, is he? He looked fine in the preseason, but Austin Carr was playing twice as many snaps with the first team. He was not even guaranteed a roster spot. I mean, he had a, he had a good final, uh, preseason week four game, which helped him make the roster, but it's going to be really up and down. I mean, you go back to the Saints, you look at Devery Henderson, you look at guys like Brandon Coleman, like these names people remember. Everyone was excited about Brandon Coleman and then everyone was disappointed about Coleman. I think it's the same kind of thing with Meredith. Remember how everybody was excited about Willie Sneed last year too? Like people were drafting Willie Sneed as a top 36 receiver last year and I, I wasn't one of them people. But what I'm saying is like they want to attach themselves to Drew Brees and I get that. But 
Ted Ginn is still the number two there. And Traquan Smith, they drafted him for a reason. He had a, he had a really, really good preseason. So it's very possible that Traquan Smith is the starter over Cameron Meredith. So. And even if he is, like, he's not really all that exciting either because they've got Thomas, because they've got Kamara, because he's going to throw to the tight ends, whether it's Watson or my favorite, Dan Arnold. Well, don't draft Dan Arnold. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying look out for him. He's going to be a waiver wire guy when, uh, when he takes over for Watson. But, I don't think Meredith or Traquan Smith or Austin Carr, whoever is the number three, is going to be someone you can trust week to week. Exactly. I was about to say, like, those guys are not league winners. They're not someone you put on your bench. Those are guys that you pick up during bye weeks if you want just, like, some upside to toss into your lineup. That's it. Yeah. So I love Chris Godwin. I like Anthony Miller. But the best pickup in this range, even more than James Conner, who we're going to talk about in a second, is the guy who actually is starting. For an offense that could score 450 points, it's Jordan Wilkins. He is starting week one, baby, 28% owned. That was shocking to me when I saw him at 28% owned, but he is falling in drafts. Like even my, the personal drafts that I've partaked in, like they, like these are people that know what they're doing most of the time. And Wilkins is falling to the 14th or 15th round most of the time. Now I was shocked. And I ended up with him on my teams most of the times, but it's going to be a very frustrating situation, I think, regardless, because I don't think they wanted to give Wilkins the, the job. I think they were kind of forced to um, Marlon Mack. We don't know if he's going to play week one, because if Marlon Mack is playing, he's starting. But as of right now, Wilkins is the guy that is slated to start because Marlon Mack still hasn't gotten back to practice. So if that's the case, I mean... It's a weird week, right? And the reason that I'm okay with Wilkins is because they're playing the Bengals. The Bengals are going to be without Vontae's perfect. Obviously, in the middle of the field, he's a cog. Um, but the thing is, this should be a game where the Bengals put up some points on the Colts, and they need a, a player who can work on third down. And Jordan Wilkins does that. Naheem Hines just kind of blew his uh, role. Like Naheem Hines was supposed to have that role, but he's been so bad they have to they have to figure out another way. So I think Jordan Wilkins is the only other option. So yeah, he's going to be like an RB three flex option in Week One uh, if Marlon Mack is out. So it's very rare to find that in the waiver wire for Week One. Would you rather have Jordan Wilkins or Anthony Miller? Depends on my team. Um, if I, if I'm really short at running back, I'll definitely grab Wilkins. But if it if it's if all is good and like I have my running backs, I'm just looking to fill my bench. Miller. Yeah, I think Miller probably has more upside. No, he doesn't have more upside. Wilkins' upside is higher. I think it's more likely that Miller is somebody that you use every week than Wilkins. So the, tell me that you don't feel it. Like so, part of me. And again, I'm trying not to be a Bears homer here, but tell me that you don't get the vibe around Anthony Miller like you did about Odell Beckham a few years ago. No, not even close. No? No, and the reason why is because of Trey Burton, man, and Allen Robinson, and frankly, Mitch Trubisky. I just mean the hype around the player. So many people were talking up Odell Beckham in the offseason, then he obviously got his hamstring hurt, so it, it set back everything, and then people dropped him. But, like, the hype around him, I feel like everybody... That, it's similar. It really is, yeah. That's that's more what I was saying. I don't think he's going to produce like Odell Beckham. I'm definitely not saying that. Yeah, you would never say that really about any rookie wide receiver. I don't think you'd say that about any... A wide receiver in general like Odell <laughs> Beckham has been like literally the best wide receiver in fantasy like the boom bust and everything in between on on Odell Beckham since he's coming to the NFL is quite ridiculous best in NFL history man yeah it's been ridiculous and like like I don't know if that that, that sticks now I don't know if things change under Pat Shermer if he's going to be that player but still like he's been dominant like I, I won't compare someone to him but I'm saying the hype that that is building and like surrounding someone like Anthony Miller like Every single beat writer that has gone to Bears camp talked about Anthony Miller and saying, like, 
this kid is like the real deal. Like he's going to make an impact. You know the last player who was like that, the last rookie wide receiver, Michael Thomas. You remember that? Oh God, Michael Thomas had an awesome camp. Same exact thing. Everyone was like, "Oh man, this is the dude you got to draft him." And I screwed up with that man. Like, and I've paid for it because I drafted Michael Thomas a few places, and then people were offering me trades because of all that hype that was coming. And I traded him in a couple dynasty leagues, thinking, "Okay, he's tied to Drew Brees. Like, I he, he's going to produce for the first couple of years." But after that. But Michael Thomas is the real deal. I ended up trading back for him in a few leagues because, like, Michael Thomas is so good. Yep. I I don't know if Anthony Miller is one of those guys. I think he's got the potential to be, though. I really do believe that he's going to be a wide receiver one someday. I just don't know how soon it happens with a uh, a Mitch Trubisky offense. We'll see if he takes a step forward. Trey Burton there, Allen Robinson there. You know, I I think he's going to be fine. For sure. And what about, so another player I wanted to ask you about, John Ross. I mean, he's only 21% owned. Would you rather have someone like John Ross or Josh Doxson? John Ross, because, I mean, what is Doxson's upside? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, we've seen what Brandon LaFell's upside was when A.J. Green was out, and Brandon LaFell is half the receiver John Ross was. There's a reason they cut Brandon LaFell. John Ross could be awesome. You remember Deshaun Jackson back in the day? Same guy. Could be. Could very well be. Um, John Ross is a player, and he's playing the Colts in week one. Their, their cornerbacks are not very good. Now, granted, I've got John Ross. I've already set up like, I don't know, 80 DFS lineups probably, and John Ross is in several of them. I'm having trouble figuring out a stack to get Andy Dalton, John Ross, um, AJ Green, Joe Mixon. Like they're all, they all seem like good plays, but you're going to have to pick your poison. But Ross, the thing is that he's playing in the exact stadium that he set the record for the combine, um, in Indy. Indy. Uh, they, they don't have a cornerback that could hang with him, but then again, AJ Green on the road has always been like gold. Does anybody have a quarterback that can hang with John Ross? Be real. Mm, it's, it's pretty <laughs> rare. <laughs> It's so funny too that that Leonard Fournette would beat him in a foot race. Actually, I don't know about that. I know he, I know Leonard Fournette can beat Tyreek Hill. I don't know if he can beat John Ross though. We haven't seen him in pads uh, just yet in terms of like play, like with the ball in his hands. But I, I, I assume John Ross is gonna be pretty fast. But here's a question for you: Would you rather have John Brown or someone like John Ross, Anthony Miller? Yes, yes, I would. All of them. What about Chris um, Godwin? This is how I would rank them because I get this question. I've got this question at least a dozen times just in the last week alone with all these guys that I like at the end. You know, how do you rank them? I've got my rankings available. You can see it. I've got it pinned to my Twitter um, and I update them almost every day in case you still have drafts going on. But of this group, I would take Chris Godwin and then John Brown and then Anthony Miller and then John Ross and Geronimo Allison, who we haven't even talked about. He's ahead of all of them. Gotcha. My order would probably be Miller. Oh, it's either it, Miller, probably Godwin, but John Brown's close with Godwin. I would, I would be torn between those two and it would be Ross, the number four, but I think Ross still, he should still be more than 21% owned. This is why if I'm doing a draft, I'm taking like one or two of the top, you know, 25 wide receivers and then I'm just chilling and I'm getting four of these five guys. You know what I mean? Cause I, we're going to get a solid number three out of one of them. One of them's going to turn into a wide receiver two. Another one's going to be a flex play week to week. You're going to be fine if you wait and get, you know, your third through sixth wide receiver as these guys that we've been mentioning. Yeah. There's another guy down lower that I think you might take over all of them. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know who you're going to talk about, but I'm interested. Though, and there's another player in this range that I, I guess I probably should mention. Ty Montgomery. Why is he owned in just 33% of leagues? What? Are you serious? No, I kid you not. Like I was looking at this and I'm like 33%. Why does my, why, why do my eyes always gloss over Ty Montgomery? Like he's not boring. He's got huge upside. He was drafted in the first four rounds last year. Yeah. And knowing that the Packers are, are missing like, like legitimate number two, number three wide receiving options, like Randall Cobb's dinged up, Geronimo Allison, as much as we like him as a, as a sleeper, 
he's not a guaranteed thing. Ty Montgomery used to, he used to be a wide receiver. Like he's going to be using the passing game. He's going to get a few handoffs. I, I have no idea. I mean, I, again, the, the Bears defense is better, but there's still some moving parts here that are going to take some time. I mean, who would you rather start in the flex? Giovanni Bernard, Theo Riddick, or Ty Montgomery? Ty Montgomery. Montgomery. Give me the upside, yeah. They're all about the same ownership, but it's definitely Montgomery for me. Um, I want to mention Amendola and Deshaun Jackson. Just drop them, people. Like, why, <laughs> what are you doing owning these guys? There's no upside whatsoever. Their upside is like, oh, maybe you could flex them one week. Like, what? <laughs> That's someone you stream. <laughs> I drafted Deshaun Jackson with my final pick the other day, like, in a draft. No, no, no. I legitimately felt dirty doing it. Yeah, you should have. You should drop him right now. He's going to be one of those players that he could very well be dropped <laughs> very soon. He might be dropped before week one, actually. There's two other guys. Uh, one of them I'm really excited about. The other one, Ricky Seals-Jones. If you have deep benches and you don't mind getting a second tight end like you're set at the other positions, I think Ricky Seals-Jones has legitimate top six or seven fantasy upside at the position. He could be the guy that breaks out this year. He's a super-duper athlete. He's in a situation where they, they need guys to pass the ball to. I think Ricky Seals-Jones could be a stud breakout guy this year. Yeah, no, a lot of people like him. It's just, um, it's trying to figure out that area of the field for the, the Cardinals. I mean, it, it's, I'm struggling with it because I, I know they have talent there with Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, um, David Johnson, obviously, and then Ricky Seals Jones, where it's like all of these guys, they fight for targets under that 10, like their average depth of target is going to be under 10 for most of them, where it's like these guys all operate in that, that area of the field. So is it like JJ Nelson that's going to have like these performances every now and then where it's just like, oh my God, he's a fantasy thing. Is that what we're going to be doing? Is it Chad Williams? I don't know. Uh, I just, it, it's tough for me to, to put Ricky Seals Jones ahead of any of those other three guys who are competing for those targets. But as an athlete and knowing that, uh, Jermaine Gresham, you know, the Achilles injury, and I think it was week 17, he's obviously going to be out for a while. So they've said that Ricky Seals Jones is the guy. Um, so you definitely want to pay attention, but to me, he's more of like a, a watch and kind of just like, Keep waiver wire speed dial, as Sigmund Bloom says. I agree. I think waiver wire speed dial is a good way to put it. Let me say this, though, Tags. I want you to go back and watch the tape on Ricky Seals-Jones and try as hard as you can not to think about Vernon Davis. If you can do it, then you can say, don't pick up Ricky Seals-Jones. But if you can't do it, I'm telling you, man, this is somebody that's a great lottery ticket. Nice. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely check him out. All right, final guy, and I have to mention him because I'm getting super pumped. I just tweeted it out this morning before we did the podcast. It's Corey Clement. I haven't mentioned him all preseason. Now you've got Jay Ajayi already banged up. We know he's injury-prone with a bone-on-bone with his knee. I know Darren Sproles is there. But let's say Jay Ajayi goes out. How good could Corey Clement be behind this offensive line getting 15, 20 touches a game? I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm buying it. The reason I don't know if I'm buying it is because we had Darren Sproles shelved last year. And then, and he's supposedly the closest thing, I guess, to that role. And he never even got to 30 snaps in a game. Uh, Jay Ajayi didn't come till later in the season. LeGarrette Blunt wasn't very, like, good. And he's, he's obviously not a passing down guy. I mean, I think that there's an injury. I think he's like a pure handcuff. I think Corey Clement could turn into a player. I think the talent is there. I think it's good enough to get it done behind that offensive line. And if Jay Ajayi were to miss time, Corey Clement would be like an, a very highly sought after waiver wire pickup. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather have James Conner. I'd rather have John Kelly, who we haven't even mentioned yet because he's like 2% owned. But that's that's basically how I feel. It's just like I don't think you need to add him before week one. Uh, I think these guys are like guys that I expect to get something done in week one and they're going to turn into. See, but I think Clement, I think Clement is going to play in week one. I think he's going to get 10 touches and people are going to see him behind this offensive line and 
then everyone his ownership's going to go from 25 to 45 percent and then it's too late well i mean he looked really good in the super bowl so i mean if people were watching the super bowl Corey clement was good there i think they were probably <laughs> yeah most people <laughs> tend to do that that play fantasy football but uh no i mean Corey clement's an interesting one and i mean if you have deeper benches he should definitely be owned um but again i'm not going to go out of my way to make sure i have him all right, let's go on to the next range. And I've been dying to hear who you think that I would rather have than Chris Godwin, because I think you're crazy. Oh, Geronimo Allison. Oh, well, yeah, I already mentioned that. Definitely. He's 10% owned. What? Why, people? I think all 10% are me. Because <laughs> I'm in enough leagues, man. I think I cover up 10%, and I own him in every league. Oh, man. he No, so in my leagues, it, it doesn't happen, because my league mates all listen to the podcast. They know that I want him. That's why I, I barely, it's hard for me to get Anthony Miller. It's hard for me to get Trey Burton, because these are guys that I've talked up. Geronimo Allison's a Packer, obviously. So that just goes to show, I'm not a Bears homer. I like Packers. I would love to have Aaron Rodgers on any of my teams. Um, but Geronimo Allison, I mean... We've heard the rumblings about Randall Cobb about being potentially on the trade block. We've heard about him dealing with some injuries, like his his ankle injury that he had surgery on this offseason that's caused him to miss practice time. There's a lot of question marks surrounding that. So, I mean, if Devontae Adams is seeing a shutdown cornerback, which the Bears really don't have, um, Geronimo Allison's going to be he's going to be a thing in fantasy football. So to know that he's just ten percent owned, I don't know if he's an every week starter, but if you're in a pinch, he can definitely fill flex. I think there's at least a 50% chance he finishes as a top 36 wide receiver. You say 50%? At least 50%. No, I wouldn't put him there. I mean, I would say that he's going to finish top 50, like 5-0. Uh, I would say that that's probably going to happen. Um, it might be a little sporadic production. But again, the guys that we're talking about that are 10% owned, most of the time these guys aren't going to get any production. Where it's like Geronimo Allison has a chance. Like he's legitimately a guy that has a chance to deliver top 30 wide receiver numbers. So why isn't he owned? Frank Gore is still ten percent owned. <laughs> Why? What? What? Who would rather have Frank Gore than Geronimo Allison? Uh, apparently, ten percent of people. Oh man, I don't know. I don't. I don't even know what to say now. I mean, ninety percent of people say that they'd rather have neither. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Okay, so some other guys in this range: Jameis Winston. What do you think about owning him now? Because when he comes back, he's going to be useful. Nah. I, otherwise, I would have said to draft him. So he's, he's. I love Winston, but yeah, I mean, even if even if Winston was playing Week One, I have him, I had him as my QB seven before the suspension. That's not someone that you want to start every week. And so, why would you own him for the first five weeks when he's only going to play maybe one of them? Right. Well, Winston was like legitimately like maybe the best quarterback this preseason. Like he looked so good. There were some throws that he made that were like major league level throws. Like you're just like, wow, where is this guy? He makes some head scratching things like decisions because he's still young and that. But the fact that the Bucks are saying that he's not even guaranteed his job when he comes back. I, I think this, I think. I think that's a media thing. I think that they're just trying to play it that way. Or Dirk Cutter's trying even harder to get fired. I, I don't know if he can really try harder because he's tried pretty hard, but... Him and Adam Gase are the two that are on the chopping block, like, right away. You don't think Hugh Jackson? It should be, but the fact that he was brought back after a winless season and a 1-15 season tells me he has a longer leash than I think any of us know. If he wins two games, if he doubles his wins from the previous two seasons, does he get fired? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I the, think, yes. <laughs> I don't know what it would take to fire this guy, but the worst case scenario is that he goes like seven and nine and then they're like, okay, we're improving that your team's better than that. A lot of people are asking about DD Westbrook and Dante Moncrief. I'm not really excited about any of them. 
I mean, I, I guess you could own him if you have a deeper bench. But again, I'd rather have Jerron Wallace and John Brown, John Ross. I'll give you guys a preview from uh, the primer. Actually, I just finished up the Jags game. So Blake Bortles over the last two years. So it was weird to me to see that D.D. Westbrook didn't have a catch over 29 yards last year. He had 51 targets, so it was a decent sample size. Uh, but Blake Bortles, on passes that have traveled over 20 yards the last two years, he's now completed just 31 of 127 pass attempts. Three touchdowns, nine interceptions. And they were like all the Keelan Cole. Yeah, nine interceptions on those. And this preseason, Bortles on passes over 20 yards, 0 for 6. Did you, wa- did you watch his tape? Oh, God, it's so bad. Don't do it. It will depress you. No, I no, I did, and it, it is bad. Believe me, it's bad. Oh, his preseason was the worst. Worse than Josh Allen. I'm not even kidding. Well, if you remember, so 2015, Blake Bortles wasn't like terrible, terrible. Like he was pretty decent. He obviously, uh, he made it work with Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns. Uh, and then 2016, and then 2016, he wasn't good. Terrible hitting the deep ball. That's why Allen Robinson finishes like the wide receiver 28. And then you go to 2017, he looked better. It's almost like this back and forth thing. And it's, that's who Blake Bortles is. He's just not a consistent quarterback and why I think the Jags are going to struggle uh, to do things if he can't get his act together. They're going to score like five points per game. And Leonard Fournette owners are going to be so mad at Blake Bortles. If Fournette's healthy. He's going to carry that team. Yeah, you're right. I'm, I've got him. He's like my lock for DFS. We'll talk about that later in the week. Um, okay, man. Vance McDonald, is he going to play? Because if he is, I think you need to pick him up and stream him if you need a tight end. Yeah, he's going to play for sure. Um, he restructured his contract to ensure that he stayed on the team. Well, I mean in week one because he's, he's dealing with an injury right now. Yeah, he, it's been a really hush thing. They haven't really talked much about it. So he's not like someone that I'm like going out of my way. I did want, like, if you go back two months and listen to the podcast, I was saying Vance McDonald's going to be a great week one streamer because they're playing the Browns and yada yada. But knowing that... Ben Roethlisberger struggles to throw touchdowns on the road. Over the last five seasons, Ben Roethlisberger has uh, averaged 1.29 touchdowns per game on the road compared to 2.54 at home. So that's a five-year sample size. It's not small at all. Um, so to know that and to know that Antonio Brown is obviously the top wide receiver play, it's tough for me to find Vance McDonald in my lineups just because like we don't know much about this injury. We, we also don't even know like for sure that he's starting over Jesse James. We don't know that. Like, the the Steelers haven't told us that. I, I think I'd rather stream Ricky Seals-Jones in week one than Vance McDonald. I'd rather I'd rather stream Austin Safarian Jenkins against the Giants. Good call. Yeah, the Giants are horrible for his tight ends. Yeah, and he's 33% owned, so you can probably get him if you want. And Blake Bortles apparently loves him. I mean, he's running out of options, right? Like, Blake Bortles, by the way, that's another thing to think about with Bortles. He has never had an offense without all of Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, and Marquise Lee. Never. You're right. Wow. Well, I mean, last year... But he had one of them on and off. Like Marquise Lee left the lineup, and then it was like Alan Hearns was back towards the end of the year. It was just, yeah. So he's never had that. So it's an added level of concern to him. But Safarian Jenkins should be a red zone threat. Okay, so for the final, you know, five, ten minutes of this podcast tags, let's imagine we're in a super competitive league of people who just listen to our podcast. So everyone we've already mentioned <laughs> is owned. You need to pick somebody up. Who are some other guys that are worth rostering? Mike Gillislee is only 2%, but that's going to be rising, obviously, with his, him signing with the Saints. But one one player that I actually think that I'm going to be adding in a lot of my leagues is uh, Wayne Gallman. And the reason I say that is because Saquon Barkley, you know, he I, I like to dismiss it because they said it was a slight hamstring strain. that They, they pulled him out of practice just to be cautious. And I'm st- I still believe that he is going to be fine. But if for whatever reason Saquon Barkley's hamstring does act up, they're going to shut him down for weeks. And Wayne Gallman is easily the best backup running back there. And here's the thing. I'm not saying that Wayne Gallman is going to get it done on first and second down. He's not because he's nobody 
Saquon Barkley is going to take someone at his skill level to get big things done behind that offensive line to start the year. But Wayne Gallman is an excellent pass catcher. He can stay on the field for all three downs. He could severely outplay Jonathan Stewart this preseason, and it wasn't even close. Have you seen the schedule, though? Do you want to play him against Jacksonville, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, Carolina, Philadelphia? Atlanta? Jacksonville's not as daunting of a matchup as people think it is against the run. Um, they're, they're a good defense for sure, the scoring. Well, once they got Marcel Darius, they were the best in the league against the run. I, I don't think they were. I think that they, they were for a time, and then they slowly down the stretch, they actually got a little worse. Um, but it, but they did get better for sure. And now they have some pieces moving around at linebackers. So, but what I'm saying is like, you're not starting Wayne Gallman week one though, because Barkley's starting. Like, so I'm, I'm saying it's more of the fact like getting him before that game. So if, if Barkley does tweak that hamstring, then you have Wayne Gallman for, you know, week two. And that's a good reason to have James Conner as well, because Le'Veon Bell hasn't played in a long time. Like if he goes out there and he's not conditioned right and he tweaks something and he's not proven to be the most durable running back, then you've got James Conner for three, four weeks. Yeah, that would be pretty nice to have. <laughs> um, another one that I want to put out there and like I know some people are probably going to throw up, but it's Corderell Patterson. He's only 3% owned. And if you guys saw, so it, it's it's really weird because the, the Patriots just continue to, to grab other people's garbage. Um, and I think there were some good moves they made. But they when they released their, their 52-man depth chart, there was three wide receivers on it. Three. Like on their entire team. It was it was Chris Hogan. It was um, Philip Dorsett. And it was Corderell Patterson. That's it? That was it. Now, obviously, Julian Edelman's left off that because he's suspended. So they added, um, they went out and snagged uh, Chad Hansen. The Jets released him, which was really odd to me. I don't know why they did, because Chad Hansen was really good at Cal. Oh man, he's the next, he's the next great one. <laughs> he could be the next Chris Hogan on that team, like legitimately. Exactly. I like, I like Chad Hansen. Yeah, he's a solid NFL player. And I, the Jets, I, I'm, I'm really shocked at that because I don't know why you would keep Terrell Pryor over Hansen. Pryor is like 29 years old now, 30, almost 30. I, I don't know. I think it's dumb, but it, it, whatever. It's not on, it's not on me, but, but Cordero Patterson is, is classic Jets, dude. But by the way, don't pick up Chad Hansen. He's not going to be ready in this offense for, you know, five, six weeks. So we'll see then, but for sure. But uh, Cordero Patterson obviously stuck. He made it through all these cuts. There was a lot of players getting cut off this team. So Patterson is the type of player that they can use in a, a variety of different ways. They can use him out of the backfield. They can use him on screen passes. He can make things work after the catch. This could be a revival of Cordero Patterson's career. So you'll see what you have, like, because that's the thing. We've talked about it. This is the most important week for waiver wires because, well, after week one, because we're going to have the snap counts. We're going to know who's who's on the field. Like, so next week's show you guys are going to listen in you guys are going to like learn some things because just because a player doesn't produce if he's getting snaps if he's on the field that matters so we'll talk about all that stuff but Cordero Patterson is someone who should be on the field the majority of the time what about Jeremy Hill is he going to play in week one that's a question mark and I, I'm struggling that's another issue in itself but the, the Texans don't allow much on the ground especially with J.J. Watt back Whitney Merciless Jadavian Clowney their front seven's nasty um, so I don't think the Patriots are going to be able to run the ball very well yeah but they don't need He's, it's not like he's going to get 15 touches. He's going to get the touches on the goal line, and the Patriots are going to get to the goal line. That could be Sony Michelle still. So the thing is, is, I was reading more on Sony Michelle and like their expectations for him. The running backs coach came out and said he's like Sony Michelle. People want to talk about he missed the preseason, but what they don't realize he's been in team meetings, he's been in our walkthroughs, he's been in everything. We know he's a player. There's a reason we drafted him, so we expect him to come in and be involved right away. So that tells me that Sony Michelle might be overlooked a little bit in week one. Um, so Jeremy Hill, 
I don't want to play them just because it's a, it's a game where they're not going to be able to run the ball very well. And when they get on the goal line, they could go to Gronkowski. They could go to any of the running backs, like in the passing game. I just think it's going to be a passing heavy script for them and to get the ball out really fast because that offensive line is bad, legit bad right now. I got some other names here, and a lot of these are handcuffs. I'm not saying, you know, you have to get the handcuff for your team. Just these are good backup running backs, kind of like what we talked about with uh, with James Conner, where if the running back was to go down, they would immediately become solid RB2s or maybe even RB1s. Spencer Ware, we've seen him do it before. John Kelly, he'd be a top seven or eight running back right away, in my opinion. He's the backup for Todd Gurley, and he is a stud. Let's see, who else we have here? Rod Smith. Chase Edmonds, the backup for David Johnson. Do you like any of these guys more than the other? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I like all those guys, and they're all handcuffs, and those are the tough ones for me to hang on to until there's an injury. Um, now, obviously, they're not playing anymore before week one, so they're tough for me. Um, but if, like, I, I understand the thought behind it. And by the way, Bobby, there's some breaking news. Um, so I shouldn't say breaking news. It's it's Cecil Lammy. He's a, he's a beat writer and radio host in Denver. He's saying that we are going to get a new Broncos depth chart today, and he's expecting Royce Freeman to be named the starter. Ooh, I so like that. It seems like there may have been... I kept drafting him even after the news, even though I was mad. <laughs> he was falling a little bit, but he was still going pretty high. I was actually shocked that so many people were willing to still spend a top five round pick on him. Yeah, it was it was dangerous, but, you know, I watched him play, and it, I just can't imagine anybody, even Hugh Jackson would keep him, Marvin Lewis would keep him out of the lineup. <laughs> I don't know. Marvin Lewis probably would. Probably. Marvin Lewis probably would have cut him. Uh, um, okay, let's talk. Uh, also, TJ Yeldon. I know you love him, so I wanted to mention him as a backup to Leonard Fournette, who is definitely injury prone, and Yeldon could handle the workload. Um, a couple wide receivers. What do you think about Cortland Sutton and Christian Kirk? Both of them are rookies, lots of talent. Uh, Sutton is the number three, but I wouldn't be surprised at all if he takes over because he's really good. And then Christian Kirk in that Arizona offense where they just – don't have anyone else to pass to besides Fitzgerald. I would rather have Sutton just because I think the ceiling is there. Um, now he's going to play in three wide receiver sets opposite Demarius Thomas with Sanders in the slot. Um, whereas Christian Kirk, I don't know where he belongs in the field. I don't know what they're doing in Arizona. Um, like I understood the draft pick because they're building for the future, but I don't understand them saying that he's starting this year because I don't know where he plays. Are they going to slide Larry Fitzgerald to the perimeter again? Because that's not going to work. Larry Fitzgerald is not young enough to get that done right now. Like he's a slot receiver and he's, he's perfected that role. So why would you take him out of it? Uh, but the question remains, it is a brand new offense. So we don't know what they're doing with him. So I, I don't, Christian Kirk, I just don't see a clear target for, for targets. Whereas someone like Cortland Sutton, I mean, he's a guy that can come down with a touchdown for sure at any point. And Demarius Thomas, despite him being 6'2 and 225 pounds, he hasn't been a red zone threat ever since Peyton Manning. So, I mean, maybe Cortland Sutton becomes the red zone target for Case Keenum and uh, Cortland Sutton becomes fantasy relevant. All right. It's about to get ugly, man. Brandon Marshall, Terrell Pryor, they're both starting, dude. What do mm. we do? Is Brandon Marshall actually starting, though? Like, can do it, like so I, the way I see it, first off, they're playing the Broncos in week one. So it's a bad matchup with Brandon, even if he is starting. But I don't think he's starting. Yeah, but if he goes out there and he's starting and he's get he gets eight targets in week one, you don't think people are going to rush to pick him up? I mean, they might, but I'm not. Like, that's my that's my take on it, is let someone else deal with Brandon Marshall. Because I think that Jerron Brown is going to be the better performer of the two anyways. 
Well, I I even think Tyler Lockett. What, what do you think about Quincy and Inwood? Would you rather have him than Brandon Marshall? Oh yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Quincy and Inwood was on my list. He's four um, percent owned. And the thing is, is like we don't know who Sam Darnold is going to favor in the passing game. We don't know if he's going to take shots deep the way that you know Josh McCown did. The offensive line's not great. Um, rookie quarterbacks they don't tend to chuck it down the field as much as veterans do. So um, I wouldn't be shocked if Quincy and Inwood is like one of the best receivers. If he's, it wouldn't shock me if he's the best receiver on the Jets. I do expect it to be. Robbie Anderson, but Quincy Anunwa was really freaking good. Yeah, I mean, you forget what he did before he had all the neck issues. Like, Robbie Anderson was very good last year, 941 yards, seven touchdowns. I mean, you look at what Quincy Anunwa did the year before. He only started 13 games. With Marshall and Decker on the roster. It was the same season. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. With Marshall and Decker on the roster, too. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if Anunwa ends up the number one. I'm getting shares of Anunwa, definitely over both the guys we mentioned, Marshall and Pryor. But the guy I like most on this list is Ryan Grant. No, I don't like him as much as John. I I like him more than John Ross. I don't like him as much as uh, Anthony Miller and the other guys that we mentioned earlier. But Ryan Grant's the number two receiver for Andrew Luck, and he's 4% owned. Yeah, he's the one of the weird ones to me. Like, I understand, like, people don't think he's going to be a league winner because it. But if Andrew Luck is back to being 90% of the quarterback he used to be, Ryan Grant's going to be, like, a big-time waiver wire ad. And so... I just talked about it. Next week, we're going to be able to look at snap counts and tell you who's on the field for these offenses. And we don't even need to wait until the end of week one to know that Ryan Grant's going to be out there. Ryan Grant is like an every down player for the Colts. Coaches love him in Indianapolis, by the way. I don't understand why he's just 4% owned. I don't understand either. I think he should be 50%. Like if you play in a in a shallow, you know, 10-team league, like of course you're not going to draft Ryan Grant. There's no room. You can barely get Geronimo Allison on your team. That's why Devontae Parker is available in 55% of leagues is because a lot of people play in these 10, 8-team leagues. You can't own Ryan Grant there. In a 12-team league, I've got him at the end of my bench, no doubt about it. Yeah, no, for sure. And that's the thing. Like, if, if you're playing in a 16-man uh, roster, I think Ryan Grant deserves, like, a 12-man league, 16 teams, which is pretty standard. I think he deserves to be owned, and especially more than 4% of leagues. That's crazy. All right, final guy I want to mention, Tags. Andy Dalton, 22% owned. He plays Indianapolis in week one. He is a top 12, if not top 10, fantasy quarterback for the first week. He is a top 10 fantasy quarterback for the first week, and if you're playing the streaming game, he should be the, the quarterback on your roster. That's basically it. Um, I, I tried to play chicken last night in a draft, and I waited until like the 16th round, I think, to draft a quarterback. And Who, who would you rather start, him or Russell Wilson at Denver? I'm honestly, I think I would rather play Dalton week one. I mean, I, it's, it's tough to bench Russell Wilson, especially if you use the draft pick on him. Um, so I probably wouldn't, but I'm saying like in terms of rankings, I might have Dalton over Russell Wilson and that's, I've got Dalton over Wilson, Andrew Luck, Kurt Cousins, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan for week one, Jimmy G. Yeah. You pick him up if you need someone. Sorry for interrupting. You said you were playing chicken last night. He's a great play. But yeah, no, I'm going to give a shout out to Roots. Um, Kept sniping me and he waited on quarterback as well. And he took Andy Dalton. So I had to go with Marcus <laughs> Mariota. Uh, and I grabbed a, and then with my like 18th round, I grabbed Mitch Trubisky. So I did have two quarterbacks with my two of my final three picks because I can't decide who I want to play week one. I was dead set on Dalton, but um, that sucked. I'd go Trubisky against Green Bay unless it actually rains like they're saying it's going to. Yeah, well, it's a Sunday night game, so it's going to be difficult to tell, uh, whereas yeah, Mariota is going to be playing against the Dolphins. So I think it's a run-heavy script for him. It's going to rain there, too. So, yeah, it's it's questionable, but I'll figure it out. Yeah. All right, man, that's all for today's show. This was a lot of fun. I can't wait until we have all the information next week. There's going to be some injuries, which, you know, I, I don't want that, but it does make things more interesting. So we're going to be doing this waiver wire show 
every single Monday afternoon. It'll be published late at night on Monday for your Tuesday morning commute or for your night owl. You can listen to it then. We're going to do it every week. And like I said, start, sit, probably answer some listener mailbag questions in there if we have time. And then our DFS show every single week. So make sure to subscribe in iTunes if you haven't already. And remember, we've got the new signed Todd Gurley jersey giveaway going on. If you go to fantasypros.com slash contest, you can enter it. It takes about 30 seconds to do. And thanks to Pristine Auction for giving us a chance to do these giveaways. Go check out what they have for you. Again, that's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E. And thanks also to NFL Game Pass, where you can get a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass by going to NFL.com slash Fantasy Pros. For Mike Tagliere, I'm Bobby Sylvester. Thanks for listening, and enjoy your football. I just wanted you to watch me dissolve.